Alright, how's it going everybody? Time for another episode of the TST Travel Podcast. This episode's all about our adventures through Wyoming, Yellowstone National Park, and then down out of Wyoming towards Colorado, which was good fun. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, the Instagram for the podcast is TST Travel Podcast, which is the same on Facebook. And don't forget to check out Kirsten's blog at the Roaming Street on Facebook and Instagram. If you are listening along, please drop us a comment uh, anywhere you listen, either on uh, iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you come across us. Uh, if you can leave reviews, it helps other people find the podcast, which is awesome. Uh, so if you can leave a review, comments, let us know where you're listening from. Let us know anything you want to hear about uh, that we might have missed from other episodes. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So get ready for this one. So our uh, first day on the road as we headed into Wyoming, we'd come across from uh, South Dakota. We stayed in South Dakota the night before, uh, not too far away from the border, and we had pretty uh, big ideas of making it all the way to Yellowstone in a day. Turns out Wyoming's a pretty bloody big state. Uh, so we drove until about 6 o'clock at night, and um, when it hit about 4, we started looking for places to stay because we were only about halfway to Yellowstone. We knew that we were going to struggle to find that uh, to make it there and set up camp sort of before it got dark, which is what we'd been aiming to do with all the wildlife and stuff on the road. Uh, we ended up stopping in a little town called Warland. They had an RV park, and it was our first chance for showers of our road trip so far. So we left on the 4th. I think that was about four or five days after we left. And uh, I tell you what, we made the absolute most of that. We um, stopped in, set up tent. We'd been to Rapid City. We cracked uh, the bottle of wine that we bought at the Rapid City winery there, and... Uh, Cracked into that with some dinner, which was good, and then straight to the showers. And I think my shower was about 15 minutes. I uh, I definitely made the most of it, and Kirsten was about the same. So it was just nice to be able to be in a little bit of civilization. We'd been in free campsites, so there was little to no facilities. We're all feeling pretty special if we managed to come across a drop toilet, which can be a little bit sad. <laughs> but uh, we, yeah, we had our showers tucked into bed it was a warm night too warmer than we'd been experiencing so far so it was good to just uh have a light blanket on and kick back and relax and knowing knowing that we wouldn't uh have another shower for a little while we got up in the morning and had a nice long shower as well and uh off we headed towards yellowstone national park so once we hit the road we were driving along there was a couple of pretty cool tunnels and uh, a massive big lake and we stopped by at buffalo bill dam which was when it was built back in the 30s, it was one of the biggest dams uh, that they had built in the US. Um, and it was it was pretty cool to look over. Like I'll be posting some photos up on uh, the socials about all that. So make sure you check those out. But um, yeah, really cool. Good little info center there. We had a, the car park was about 500 meters from the actual visitor center. And we had a nice old dude pick us up in a golf cart and ferry us over to the visitor center. And I think he was just working for tips. He was on for a good old chat, which was always good, and told us a bit about the dam. You can walk all along the um, the side of the dam and have a bit of a look see. And then, yeah, in the visitor center, they have some info and some heaters, and of course, a gift shop like everywhere else in America. And they also had free coffee, which was nice because um, it was a bit of a cooler morning that morning once we got sort of up into the ranges again. And uh, yeah, free coffee is always good. So from Buffalo Bill, we headed across uh, up through the hills of Wyoming, and it's just beautiful country through there, like nice, big, long, windy roads. Um, yeah, really nice spot just to go for a drive as we headed up to Yellowstone. Our top tip, if you're heading towards uh, any of the national parks in America, but a, especially Yellowstone, make if you've got a car that'll last you sort of 800 to 1,000 kilometres on a tank, fill up well before Yellowstone. Uh, or be prepared to feel some hurt when you fill up that petrol tank. We um, we filled up in Cody, which is still about 50 miles from Yellowstone. And I think we still paid about 3.49 a gallon. Like it was brutal. Like we'd been paying in the Midwest, we'd paid somewhere around 2.45, 2.50 a gallon, and then through up through South Dakota and across another like uh, the other parts of Wyoming, we'd been paying about 2.85, which it's still a hell of a lot cheaper than back in Australia, but I, when you uh, are filling up a 31-gallon tank, which is nearly a uh, 100 litres, and you're nearly on empty, it can hurt at $3.39 a gallon. 
But yeah, so Cody actually looked like a pretty cool town. When we got there, it was freezing cold and pelting with rain, so we didn't get out and adventure it too much. Uh, it's one of those gateway towns to the national park, so there's heaps of really nice hotels and lodges and stuff like that. So if you were just going to land and do a bit of a tour through Wyoming and, and Yellowstone and that, that would definitely be a place to stop and stay uh, before you headed into the campgrounds. But um, yeah, really nice spot in Cody there. Then you drive up through a bit of a pass and... Uh, head towards Yellowstone and there's not there's not much in the way of towns or things to do on between sort of Cody and Yellowstone it's only about 50 miles but really 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 pretty scenery um you drive up over the top of some mountains through some really cool passes where they just cut in through the mountains and it's just one of those places where you look at Kirsten and I looked at each other and just kept going wow can you believe what that god look at that massive rock formation or look at that massive cliff imagine climbing up that and um, then you get to the top and the views from the top of some of those passes are just absolutely magnificent. So we got to Yellowstone eventually. <laughs> um, the weather actually cleared up. So in Cody, as I said, it was pissing down with rain and freezing. Like I was filling up the car and we'd been in the car since it was warm. So it was uh, I was just in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. And when I got out in Cody, I think I put on my big snow jacket and a beanie and was still freezing cold, and that was just in the time it took me to fill up the car. Another thing that I noticed using a um, an Australian card at the fuel pumps over here, most of the fuel pumps, you fill, like you just put your card in and type in your pin and you'll fill up. Uh, you'll have the option to go in and pay, but it's not really a done thing over here. Like not many people, unless you're paying with cash, not many people actually go into the service station. You sort of just put your card in, put your, uh, put your details in, fill up, and then you're done. Um, which is really, really handy, but what I've noticed using an Australian card as well is that it'll work sometimes and not others. Uh, it just depends on the servos. The bigger, like your BPs and your shells, uh, tend to take it, but places like the more little independent ones, chevrons don't take it. You have to sort of, and it's a bit annoying as well, because if you're trying to fill up your tank, you have to guess how much you're going to put in, which can be a bit of a pain, but just keep that in mind if you're going to travel through the US in a car and you're using an Australian card or a travel card, that that might be the case sometimes. Also, they do different prices over here for cash versus card as well. So if you can go in and pay with cash, they will give you a couple of cents a gallon off, which is cool. So we finally got into Yellowstone and the first little bit's like just a nice little drive. There doesn't seem to be too many trails. Uh, you, there's entrance gates at every road in, so you do have to pay. Uh, it's about 35 bucks entry, but we did not have to pay anything, of course, because we've got our America the Beautiful Pass, which, as I said, if you're going to visit more than a couple of national parks in your stay in the U.S., definitely get one of those. You can get them from every national park that um, has an entrance booth. Just ask for an America the Beautiful Pass. It'll let you in for 12 months, uh, and you just have to you write two names on it and provide photo ID when you get there. And you're all good. Um, they give you a map and a little guidebook but what Kirsten and I found is that if you're looking to do hiking like actual go out and do some hiking out in the sort of longer trails of the backcountry or something like that the maps that you get from the entry booths aren't very good at giving details on those so make sure you do your research on what hikes and stuff you think you want to do before you head out into the national parks some have had better uh, and some also have additional like hiking maps and stuff like that at the visitor centers and and places like that but um yeah we found that trying to find info about hikes can be a little bit difficult and you'd think in a massive place that so many people visit like yellowstone that there'd be a heap of information but uh, I think you have to do a little bit more uh, research than that before you head out. Yeah, so with the hiking with the hiking maps and stuff, you usually have to pay for those as well at the gift shops, um, but they're not as expensive as they are in uh, the shops in the town surrounding. So don't get too caught into uh, thinking that oh, fuck off. Sorry, getting attacked by a fucking March fly. Um, I will edit that out. Uh, yeah, so don't get caught in the trap of thinking that you have to buy the big hiking books before 
you get to Yellowstone, they do have the information available. You just have to uh, make sure that you head to a visitor centre first. So another thing to make sure you do first thing, if you plan on camping in one of the campsites in Yellowstone, uh, as you enter the park, if you enter in the morning, it ha they have a massive big board with all the campsites and whether or not they're full or there's sites available. So Kirsten and I drive in and saw that there was three or four little spots available. And we thought, oh yeah, that'll be perfect. We'll just cruise around for the day, check out the sites and then head to a campsite in the afternoon. And that's exactly what we did the first day. We sort of just cruised through the park at different sort of locations. We stopped at a couple of the geysers and went on little hikes that they have there, which are a lot of the more popular places in Yellowstone are all boardwalked out because they're around uh, the geysers and things like that. And the areas around the geysers can be a little bit fragile. So... Kirsten and I stopped at a couple of different spots and went for the little boardwalk walks. Boardwalk walks? Yeah, that makes sense, I think. Along the uh, sides there and adventured around a little bit, checking out some of the cool geysers, which, again, we'll have some, plenty of pictures up on the socials about that. And, uh, yeah, sort of cruised around for the day every time. So we, <laughs> we got into the park and uh, we saw our first bison about 25 minutes, half an hour in. And we're all, whoa, look at that bison, how cool is that? And they're, they're pretty huge and they're pretty magnificent animals to look at and then get a little bit further down the road. Oh, look, another bison, that's pretty cool. The most interesting one was we had a big male sort of walking along the side of the road and they are not fussed by cars. <laughs> Let's put it that way. We're in a big seven-seat SUV and he didn't even give us a second look. He was walking down the side of the, the car and I think he probably would have been within six feet of us as he trot on down the side of the road looking for a bit of grass to munch on the males can hang out on them hang out on their own a little bit sometimes uh and then you find the other ones in the massive big herds that graze along the the plains there in yellowstone which is pretty cool so the first day we didn't do a whole lot of hiking as i said we did a couple of walks along the boardwalks there um, which was interesting enough and good to get a little bit of exercise in after sitting in the car for nearly two days, um, walking around there. There was a couple of spots just down by the river. We couldn't believe how clear the water was, like that water that runs through Yellowstone. I did not see one bit of murky river uh, in any place. Like a lot of the geysers and stuff are stinky and uh, all muddy. And just be aware of that too. If you're going to walk around the geysers, they are sulfur geysers and they are stinky. We saw a couple of kids having massive tantrums about halfway through a 1 or 2k walk because it stunk and they were covering their nose and jumping up and down and weren't real happy about life. Uh, but yeah, good little first day. We walked around, did it. Oh, fucking stop repeating yourself. Everyone knows you walked around, you dickhead. <laughs> um, yeah, so a pretty good first day and we stopped and there was a massive big herd of bison, which was cool. We used the Ultimate Suburban Safari vehicle again and popped our heads out through the sunroof and took some pretty cool photos. Definitely should have invested in a better zoom lens because they were a fair way away down in the valley, sort of grazing next to the river. Um, so the, the little zoom lens on the SLR camera struggled a li little bit with finding out where we were, uh, finding out where they were and getting some good close-ups, but we got some pretty cool photos still. And uh, yeah, after we saw our, our big herd of bison, we sort of headed up to where that campsite was uh, that we'd picked out, which was to the northwest sort of corner of Yellowstone. And we got there and of course it was full. <laughs> and all of the other campsites that we'd driven through were full. And then we're looking through the newsletter and it said, make sure if you want to camp, you get to the campsite you've picked out first thing in the morning and then do your sightseeing. So definitely read the tips and tricks that they've got in the park guides before you go around adventuring because uh, if you want to get a campsite they fill up very very quickly uh, especially the more popular ones around like the mammoth hot springs and the, the towns and stuff that they have in there which is fascinating as well like i didn't think they'd have full towns in a national park but yellowstone being so big and having so many ranges and stuff like that i'd say a lot of them live on site because there was some there's whole towns within the the park which were pretty cool uh, and they had general stores and things like that. And Kirsten and I were also a little bit amazed by the fact that they don't rip tourists blind on the prices of stuff there. Like the general stores have all the stuff you would probably forget if you went camping, spare tent pegs, um, 
you're definitely not paying Walmart prices for them, but they don't rip you blind even on the the merchandise sort of stuff like the t-shirts and the postcard postcards are still only anywhere between 35 cents there's some pretty cool like holographic ones that i think were one or two dollars but pretty affordable like and they also have multiple ranges so some of the jackets and stuff were 20 or 30 dollars like what you'd pay for any jacket in a like spray jacket or rain jacket in a store but um yeah, then they had their more exclusive ranges that were done by designers and stuff like that, and they were up around two, three hundred dollars for a like a good snow jacket or something. But yeah, the merchandise wasn't too badly priced. Alrighty, now it's time for a little bit of a TST rant. Asian fucking tourists. Oh my lord. You know the stereotype about Asian drivers? It gets a hundred times worse when they are around wildlife. Holy shit. So in Wiles, uh, in Yellowstone, they have copious, copious amounts of like little slip roads. So if you see if you see some wildlife, you can pull over, stop, admire, look, appreciate. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place, and you should definitely stop and enjoy it and look around. A lot of the places in Yellowstone have like 45 mile an hour speed limits. So you're doing a reasonable speed. Asian tourists seem to not be able to, on, on doing like little self-drive tours or they've hired a car, good for you, like great to see you're out and enjoying nature. If you see a bison that is 200 metres away from you, you do not need to fucking stop in the middle of the road, especially jumping on the brakes. You're being ridiculous. And they do, they just stop. They stop in the middle of the road, they do not even make an attempt to pull over or pull off, and they, like, we saw one that stopped put their car in park in the middle of a road next to a pullout so they could have just pulled their big seven-seater off into the pullout and got out and taken all the photos they wanted. Nope, they stopped in the middle of the road. And Yellowstone's a pretty busy place. Like, we were there on a Saturday and a Sunday and a Monday and, like, there is always traffic around. This, these people had traffic banked up for miles. And people are honking and too, like trying to get them to pay attention. And they're just in their own little world. And speaking of Asian tourists in their own little world, so I, for those of you who don't know me, I am a pretty big dude. Like I'm about six foot three and somewhere around 100 kilos. And the boardwalks can be a pretty narrow place. Usually about, there's about enough room for one person each way, which would be fine, yeah? Not if you're an Asian tourist. You're an Asian tourist, apparently you have to have your selfie stick in one hand, your other hand out as wide as you can, and just try and run into as many people as you possibly can. And I started to get a bit frustrated about it. Kirsten and I sat in the car and had a talk and like, oh, that's just their culture though. Like, they live in such busy places that you're not going to say sorry every time you bump in, into someone. But just when there's a tour bus of 50, 60, 70 of them, and they all get out at the one attraction, you just dread it. Like... You pull up in the car park and if you see them all piling out of a tour bus that only has Chinese lettering on the side, yeah, oh, here we go, this is going to be fun. They just don't, these people just don't care. And not to say that white people aren't inconsiderate or anything like that. I apologise for my white male privilege, but guess what? I wish I could have Asian tourist privilege because that gives you the opportunity to bash people. Like, I got hit in the head with a selfie stick while this dude was walking. He was so engrossed in taking a shitty selfie next to nothing as well. What do they do with all these pictures? Where do they put them? Do they just have a hundred pictures of them standing next to a rock in their living rooms? Like, I don't get it. Obviously, China has unlimited data storage in their government clouds. So, about, I think it was about day two, I cracked the shits. Like, I had had enough of being run into, and I was trying to be pretty polite, like, I'm a big dude, I understand I take up a fair bit of room, so I was trying to like turn to the side as people walk past me so I didn't bump into them. And I looked at Kirsten, I think we're at the Grand Prismatic Spring, one of the most beautiful places to have a look at at Yellowstone, and of course there was fucking 17 tour buses full of Chinese tourists on them that were walking around bashing people with their selfie sticks. And walking along, and I looked at Kirsten and I went, you know what, fuck it, I'm just not going to move. And we're walking along, I saw this dude walking towards me, he had 
the leader of his group, they all carry little yellow flags to signal that they're attacking. And I saw the dude with the flag, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Here's a big group of them. And the boardwalk was big enough for two people, like one each way. And they, they were walking too wide with their selfie sticks out. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep walking straight. He'll see me. He'll move. No. This dude walked straight into me. Knocked him flat on his ass. Like, he didn't know what planet he was on. And then got up and just looked at me like I'd murdered his whole family. Didn't say anything, of course, because, I don't know, they didn't want to bring dishonor to their family by whacking someone with a selfie stick on purpose. I mean, they're happy to do it on accident. But, uh... He looked, just got up and looked at me in absolute disbelief that I didn't move out of his way and then moved right along. Like, I couldn't, just couldn't believe how ignorant these people are. They're also really, really bad around animals. So there's, it's in every newsletter, map, sign. Every time you stop somewhere big in the park, there's like signs. Make sure you stay three school buses i think the estimate is away from like the herbivores like the bison and the elk and stuff like that and then stay like five or six school buses away from bears and shit like that and these people will see a bison laying down and they'll get within five or ten meters of it for a photo for a selfie it's like god damn it i hope that bison gores you to death just to teach a tour bus a lesson hopefully that'll get you out of the park but that's my little rant on Asian tourists. So the moral of the story is if you're on tour, don't be an Asian tourist. <laughs> if you are an Asian tourist, just don't be an Asian tourist about things. I mean, just be considerate. Look out for the other people. When you're in a crowded place, just be considerate of other people. It's not that hard. Oh, and also, don't leave footprints on the toilet seats, please. It's unnerving to have to go out, like, to walk into a unisex bathroom after an old Asian lady's been in there and see shoe prints on the toilet seats. It's not ideal. The moral of that story is just be considerate of your fellow tourists. Everyone's there. You're still going to get to see everything. There's no need to push. Be a dick. Just take your photos and then move out of the way. Like, take your photos, enjoy the views. There's some beautiful places to visit. Don't stop in the middle of the roads. Use the pullouts for the love of God. Like, understandable. Sometimes there's actually wildlife on the road that you have to stop and avoid. That's fine. Just don't be a dick is the moral to that story. Don't be dick. So for those of you who didn't listen to the first episode, which I will admit wasn't my greatest moment, it was uh, definitely a warm-up one, but uh, if you didn't listen to the first episode, you won't know that TST stands for Tyndall Shit Tour, which was a thing that came about from my old man. So my dad likes to go on road trips, especially when we're going racing and stuff like that. And uh, very often he'll find shortcuts. And you can't see me, but you, I'm doing the inverted commas, shortcuts. And... I'll give you a, a brief description of one of his TSTs, his shortcuts. We were in a truck with a race car in the back of it. A friend of ours had a coach towing a race car and he found us a shortcut. Let's say that it didn't save us any time, but it did prove to be one hell of an adventure trying to get a truck and a coach with a trailer on the back through single lane, dirt roads, up and down hills, not along you know, where you would expect to see vehicles of that size along a freeway or an American version, an interstate. No, we took the single lanes with the massive potholes and things like that. It was great fun. Took us the same amount of time as if we had to take in the highway because we got lost about 18 times. And of course, once you get into those sort of places, you don't have Google Maps anymore because it runs like it just, you stop getting signals so you don't know what it is. So we, those became labeled as TSTs or Tyndall Shit Tours. So after uh, our second, our first day in Yellowstone, we maybe went on, we've, oh, I definitely thought it was going to be a KST, a Kirsten shit tour. We couldn't, because we of course couldn't find any accommodate, uh, couldn't find any campsites that were free because we waited until four o'clock in the afternoon to start looking for a campsite. We 
looked on our world favourite wiki camps and uh, we found a free campsite that was just north of Yellowstone up into Montana. So we start heading towards Montana. Uh, we get into the little town just to the north of Yellowstone, which name escapes me at the moment. Uh, it was right on the northeast corner of Yellowstone. And we sort of head up into a hill, like towards the, the hills surrounding the area. Go to a dirt road, go to a very, very corrugated dirt road. I think I was about to lose all of my teeth that was that corrugated. We tried going faster over the corrugations, we tried going slower over the corrugations, didn't make them any better. And we're just winding our way through the hills on this little, like it was a double lane dirt road at the start. Come into this little township, which looked like something out of The Shining, like there was about 10 houses and they all looked the same. Every second or third, like they were nearly all old wood cabin style setups. Kirsten saying, yep, yep, just a little further, just a little further up this road, it says just a little bit further. Reminding you also that we're in Bear Country and the name of this campsite was Bear Creek, which filled me full of confidence. So we start heading up the mountains, heading up the mountains, head past a cemetery, which is always good. Then the road goes to Single Lane and Quality had to put the Suburban into four-wheel drive, which I'm glad we had. Probably could have made it without four-wheel drive, but there were some slick spots that had rained pretty recently. So headed up this single lane dirt road, Keep going, keep going. We're about an hour into the drive at this point. Keep going, keep going. There's massive big drop-offs on one side. You can only see probably 50 or 60 metres ahead of you because the hill's that steep. Still going along, along, along. We're about uh, an hour and 15 minutes into the drive. We come across like a car. I'm like, oh, that's promising. And up ahead of the car, there was two kids sort of playing in the mud and we could hear chainsaws and we're like, oh, this is interesting. Hopefully somebody's just cutting wood and not dead bodies uh, because, again, no cell phone signal, no phone signal, no nothing. And we come across these two kids playing in the dirt, which was cool to see, and there was uh, a pine tree had fallen down across the road and there was a couple of dudes making the most of that, uh, clearing the wood for their winter fires. And they were, they were really good. They just kicked whatever was left on the road out of the, out of the way and stopped and had a little chat to them and we're like is there a campsite around here and they're like oh I think so that didn't fill us full of com confidence so keep driving keep driving and we get to the first we finally finally see a camp spot and Kirsten goes oh no that's not it are you kidding me there was people there were like oh do we just stay here no we don't like people let's see if we can find another spot find the actual spot that we we're looking for so we kept going I think it, in the end it took us nearly an hour and a half to get where we were going but it was definitely worth it. Like free campsite that close to Yellowstone and it was an absolutely gorgeous little spot. I was a little concerned that we were gonna get eaten by bears, but we survived um, right next to a little creek, freshwater creek. Um, and yeah, nice level campsite, stopped there. Had a very failed attempt at uh, setting a fire because it was a little bit wet around there still. And uh, we bought these blocks of wood from Walmart that were like easy start uh, campfire wood blocks and they're only about four or five bucks I was like hell yeah I'll give those a go I'm really really bad at setting fires to begin with and uh, yeah easy start wood blocks uh, Walmart code for couldn't burn if you put a hundred liters of petrol on them like we had paper we had everything underneath them we propped them up in a triangle followed the uh, directions nearly exactly and uh, yeah, we got about as much fire out, as it, out of it as the paper that burned underneath it lasted for, and that was about it. But a beautiful place to go and camp, so if you're being a bit tight like us and you're looking for a free campsite, you've got a four-wheel drive. Uh, it does exist, Bear Camp Creek Ground, uh, Bear Creek Campground. Uh, it does exist, it's real, I promise, and you will get there eventually, maybe not if you don't have a four-wheel drive. So the next day we paid for a camp at a little campsite called Indian Creek, which is pretty cool. Uh, just be aware that if you do pay for a campsite in Yellowstone, you're going to have to double back at some point. You're going to have to cover some of the same ground. So just uh, check out the map once you've set up camp and try and figure out what you haven't seen yet and uh, how to double back the least because you want to save as much fuel as possible because you can still get fuel in the park. 
gonna get fuel in uh, in Yellowstone, make sure you take your own lube because they definitely don't do use any. They will do you dry uh, on the prices. I think they're up around four four fifty a gallon, which is in some like as I said compared to the Midwest, nearly double what you pay for fuel. So just be aware of that if. Uh, you have a jerry can with you, fill it up at one of the cheaper spots um, so you don't get ripped blind over the, the pricing there. And it's just because they have complete control over the market. Like there's, they only have one brand of fuel servo in there and they just set the price at whatever it is. And if you run out of fuel, then too bad. Uh, so just be aware of that. Um, but yeah, we sort of spent the day, as I said, doing the same thing, just adventuring around, checking out some of the cool boardwalks. So we got back to the campsite uh, a little earlier that day, which was good. And we set up, I bought a, um, a camp oven cooker when we were at Walmart. And it was our first opportunity to bust that out and use it. I was very, so we made up a beef stew. We chopped up some potatoes, mixed veggies, um, just used some water and some beef stock cubes, chucked in the meat, chucked in a couple of tins of mixed veggies and just stirred it all around. And it was delicious. So it only took, uh, we only took about four hours to cook it because um, it was pretty thin steak, uh, but yeah, delicious, delicious. The potatoes are nice and soft, all the seasoning. We chucked curry powder and every seasoning we have in our little seasoning box in there just to pep it up a bit with some flavour, and it was delicious. I've never had a bad meal out of a camp oven, and I'm pretty happy with myself to say that uh, I managed to get it pretty good. I've, had, I've definitely had better because some of our friends are pretty damn good camp oven cookers. But um, yeah, not bad for a meal that probably cost us five bucks each, uh, all up by the time you factor in a sixty cent, couple of sixty cent cans of mixed veggies, a five dollar thing of beef, some water, and our spices. It was a, a pretty cheap meal and pretty goddamn delicious as well. So after that, we've been finding as well. With, uh, with not a whole lot to do while you're camping, no uh, phone reception or anything like that, we've basically been going to sleep with the sundown not long after that and then um, and then waking up at pretty much sunrise. So went to bed and just a bit of a warning for anyone going to Yellowstone in September or further towards uh, winter. It was still technically summer there and it gets fucking freezing to be honest, um, down, uh, especially when you've been used to sort of 30, 35 degrees, nice around the, the lake and the river, uh, it gets down below zero there overnight. Uh, we were waking up with little icicles on our tent and luckily for us, we had our Walmart sleeping bags, which kept us just warm enough to not turn into little Aussie popsicles. I reckon I nearly had little icicles on my beard as we woke up kept us warm enough we in the warmer weather Kirsten and I had been sort of just opening up the sleeping bags or just sleeping under a light blanket but um yeah when it chilled down to like that we definitely were in our own little sleeping bags and had the drawstrings pulled up nice and tight to uh keep us warm but uh yeah managed to not freeze to death which was always good so the next day we again did a bit of driving around it was our last day in the park we found a little swimming hole called the Fire Hole Creek, or Fire Hole River Swimming Hole, um, which was really cool. We walked down to it and there were some people sort of just dipping their feet in. And it was pretty cold, like, considering that it had been, as I said, under under freezing overnight. It was, uh, it was pretty chilly. And we sort of sat there for a little while with our feet in the water, just enjoying a bit of sunshine. Like, that was another thing that amazed us in Yellowstone, especially, and then down through Colorado and stuff like that. It was um, really, really cold overnight, but would still get up sort of high 20s, low 30s during the day, which was pretty amazing. And Kirsten and I sort of looked at each other and went, oh, is it too cold to get in? We saw a couple of people get in and go for a swim, and we're like, ah, it's nice and warm and nice and sunny. Let's get in for a swim. We hadn't, haven't had a shower in a few days, so <laughs> it was our chance to have a little bit of a bath. And um, as we are coming back down, there was a dude with his, uh, with his friend, and he was telling him about this other cool little spot on the other side of the rocks. So we followed them down and went, oh, do you mind if we tag along? And he was taking his friend, and his friend seemed really nervous. We didn't know what about. And there was like a bit of a rapid up when we got down to the bottom of this spot. And um, the guy goes, yeah, you just jump in, swim across, and then you jump in at the top of the rapid and float down. And we were like, oh, cool. And his friend was very, very nervous about the whole situation. 
and uh, wasn't that keen on it. And this dude goes, oh, come on, I've been doing this since I was eight years old. If chubby little eight-year-old me can do it, anyone can do it. So he led the way and jumped in the water and just sort of swam across. It wasn't far. It was probably 10 feet across this river. And he swam across and jumped up and then walked along the edge of the, the rocks there, which was pretty cool, and got to the edge of this rapid where it had sort of dumped out after the rocks and just cannonballed in. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And his friend wasn't real keen about it, but he managed to sort of scale his way across and jumped in and looked in a bit of a panic mess when he got out the other end. And first and I went, oh, we'll definitely give that a go. So the guy's like, oh, yeah, I'll go again. So uh, his friend wasn't that keen. He went up and laid on the, the rocks and he seemed like he was a bit of a nervous kind of fella. But, yeah, we jumped across, swam across, climbed up on the rocks and scaled, scaled over to the edge and cowabunga cannonballed in and it was pretty cool like you feel the current pull you straight away and the guy goes oh it's about it's, uh, about 70 feet deep in the middle so you definitely don't have to worry about crashing into anything and then it just sort of drags you into the shallow little pool that um is waiting at the end of the rapid there and you climb out and do it again i think kirsten jumped in and kirsten and i jumped in and did it two or three times it was awesome fun so if you're at that fire creek swimming hole and the water looks about right for it maybe don't jump into rapids as a general rule but if you see someone else do it and they survive go for it so and another thing to remember all the campsites in yellowstone are paid so just remember that as well we'll definitely be we'll chuck a video up on the on facebook and instagram if i can get it to work of the gopro footage we took the gopro with us and um and had that on our little jump into the river so we'll put that up for everyone to have a look at when we post this episode up so the last day we saw all of the sort of main attractions that you see on the, the main things you see pictures of on uh, of yellowstone on the web uh we went and visited the grand prismatic spring which is pretty cool um you go down to the bottom and you have a bit of a look it's not Again, not greatly signed as to, you see a lookout um, where you can sort of look at look at it from the top. The boardwalk's still a cool view, but you don't fully get to appreciate what you're sort of looking at because you can't see it from above, of course. And uh, there's a, there is a, yeah, you can see from the boardwalk a... Fuck no. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Grand Prismatic Spring, but I just can't fucking talk. All right, starting in. Yeah, so you pull up at a very, very popular looking car park. And again, there's a massive big boardwalk up to the Grand Prismatic Spring, which is really, really cool to look at. Like it is heaps of different colors. Like there's reds and yellows and blues and greens. And it's a crazy thing to see. You don't fully get to appreciate it um, looking at it from down below. Um, just because the view from above is pretty goddamn spectacular. Um, but you, And you can see the lookout but from the boardwalk, but there's no real signage or information on how to get there. Uh, it's just a little thing around the corner. Um, there's a little hiking trail. The full trail goes up to a place called Fairy Falls. It's called the Fairy Falls Hike. Uh, but the lookout for the Grand Prismatic Spring is on that, and it's probably only, again, it says it's about 14 k's on the sign, um, up and back, but that's to do with the full trail, uh, just up to the things, probably only 1500 meters to 2k's, like it's not that far up, it is pretty steep, we came across a couple of oldies that uh, were struggling a little bit, um, but anyone, it's a, it's a trail that anyone could hike, and it's definitely worth uh, going up and having a, a good look at, because you get some pretty spectacular photos from up above, and uh, yeah, you get to fully sort of soak in what it all looks like. Uh, after Grand Prismatic, we drove across to uh, the Old Faithful, which is pretty cool. That's, I think that must be the main place where most people enter the park, because there's a couple of huge big lodges there, which look like they'd be great fun to stay in if you had a couple of million dollars spare, uh, and a heap of info centers and gift shops and stuff like that. So uh, we got there at about quarter to two, and we thought we saw the sign they have it signed everywhere when old faithful goes off the the big geyser and we saw that the sign was for about 245 so it was about an hour and we're like oh we're probably not going to wait around for an hour but by the time we went into a couple of the gift shops again really 
pretty reasonably priced for like such a popular place, such a touristy place. You'd expect them to be absolutely bloody ridiculous, but um, reasonably enough priced. They are very, very busy in there, or at least they were. We were there on a Monday and they were still pretty goddamn busy. Um, but yeah, we were, we didn't think we'd spend an hour there and we spent an hour just walking around the, the gift shops and the info centers, learning a little bit more about what causes all the geysers and a little bit more about the animals and stuff in Yellowstone and Kirsten picked out some postcards and we were sort of bargain hunting a little bit. We managed to pick me up an eight ninety a t-shirt for eight ninety nine on uh, the clearance racks, uh, which is pretty cool um, to have a souvenir from Yellowstone for under ten bucks. Um, and yeah, we sort of walked around and we looked at the clock and it was nearly quarter two, so we went and watched Old Faithful go off, which I definitely recommend if you're heading to Yellowstone. It's one of those just one of those must do things. There's a lot of geysers, but none of them go off like Old Faithful does and. It's very popular, so just be aware that you'll probably be standing two or three rows back if you wait until the time on all the signs. So if you're short, if you're a short person, you might have to uh, get there a little bit earlier to get your spot in the front. Uh, but yeah, definitely a cool thing to go and watch. Uh, to go along with my eight dollar ninety nine T-shirt, we also picked up ninety nine cent Huckleberry ice cream sandwiches. And if you like berries and you like ice cream, and if you don't like ice cream, lose my number um <laughs> but yeah we picked up some 99 cent huckleberry ice cream sandwiches and they were delicious like they were really tasty they tasted like the um biscuit end of a maxi bond for all the aussie listeners if you don't have maxi bonds in other parts of the world go to australia and try a maxi bond um but yeah they tasted like the biscuit end of a maxi bond and a mixed berry smoothie so it kind of made you feel like you're nearly being a little bit healthy um, so that was the last few little things we did in Yellowstone. We decided to head out to the south uh, that day towards Colorado. Um, did a nice little drive through the Grand Tetons. There's um, some pretty cool spots to stop and take photos. You could see that there was uh, some nice spots to camp as well and go hiking, but we um, we just nearly <laughs> had a little bit of enough of walking around and, and not doing too much. So we just checked out the uh, the drive through there, which was really, really nice, and headed down towards uh, Jackson. So Jackson is the name of the town. We read this in the info center as well. Oh, yeah. All right, pause that a little bit. Just gonna take a step back for a second. So as we are driving through the, uh, the Tetons, uh, we saw probably 20 cars pulled over on the side of the road and Everyone had their cameras out and we're like, oh, cool, I wonder what animal's over here. And we sort of wound down the window and didn't want to, as I said, block traffic. There was a lot of cars parked on the side of the road and there was traffic behind us. So we sort of slowed down and just yelled out at the first person and went, oh, what are, what's everyone stopped for? And they sort of just glanced at us and gave us a look of disdain. And so we went, oh, okay then. So we looked at the next person and it was a big, fat, bald German man. And we went... Oh, what is everyone? St what's everyone stopped for? And he sort of looked at us again and went, oh, "I'm not talking to you." So we stopped and looked at him again and said, "No, come on, mate. What's everyone stopped for?" And he looked at us and said, "Grizzly bear." And we went, "What did he just say?" And he looks at us and goes, "Grizzly bear." And Kirsten and I have had a good old laugh about that since uh, ever since. Every time we see anything on the side of the road, oh, look, grizzly bear. And uh, it was one of those things. Kirsten says that with my uh, big thick beard, I'm starting to look a little bit like a grizzly bear. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things that you just had to have a chuckle at. By the time we got there, all the people had, of course, scared the cool nature away. And uh, so we sort of just slowed down, had a bit of a peek, couldn't see anything, and off we trod through the rest of the Grand Tetons, which was pretty cool. And we headed down to Jackson. So. When we were in Jackson, we did a little bit of looking around and uh, at, they have a pretty cool little uh, visitor center there right as you come into town. Uh, so Jackson is the name of the town. Jackson Hole is the name of the valley. Just as before you come into Jackson Hole, uh, they have a massive big fenced off area and that's the elk conservation area. So they're protected in there so people aren't allowed to go in and, and hunt them and that's to make sure the numbers stay healthy throughout the the valley which is a pretty cool thing that they um they're aware that the elk are something that need to be protected in the area with a lot of hunting and stuff that goes on 
which is good in certain areas like sometimes you need hunters to tidy up the the old bulls and things like that that are starting to mess up the genetic pools but yeah it was cool to see that they had the the protected area in there as well just as you come up into Jackson and Jackson's a pretty cool place it's definitely a tourist trap every second shop's a gift shop with the same t-shirt in it um, a lot of the places like we went into probably three or four shops that were just t-shirts and they all had the same thing so if you're there for a couple of days and you're doing some souvenir shopping definitely check out all of the shops to make sure you're getting the right price but everything's priced about the same it's a pretty pricey area we went into one shop that was like massive closing down sale 50 50 to 70 percent off and i looked at a pair of cowboy boots that were 70 percent off and they were still 299 dollars and i went yep that's enough for me and turned around and walked out of there um most of the t-shirts and stuff are what, 20 or 30 dollars so if you're only on a short holiday again you can probably pick yourself up one or two of those to remember your little trip by but uh for us that are trying to scrimp every dollar together, we um, decided to avoid that. We went to have a look at the Cowboy Bar, um, where sort of I'd, I had heard about it. Um, you sit up at the bar, and instead of sitting on a bar stool, you sit on a saddle, um, which is a cool sort of little place. But as we walked in there, <laughs> a lady walked out and goes, "Don't go in there. The service is bad. It's expensive, and it's not very good." So uh, we decided to keep on moving from there. Um, they had some pretty cool arches as well. Uh, of course, being right near the elk sanctuary, they um, the elk lose their antlers every year and regrow them every year. Um, and they have the antlers from all of the elk that they have in the park all stacked up into massive archways, which were pretty cool to have a look at. Like, um, it was a pretty cool spot to be. And uh, they have a town-free Wi-Fi, so it was good just to make contact with everyone after we'd been in Yellowstone for... Four days without phone signal or wi-fi or anything like that it was good just to sit down on the grass in the little park they have in the middle of town there and update all the families letting them know that we hadn't been eaten by any grizzly bears and uh along we went so it was a really really nice sunset the night that we left uh jackson we were driving along it was as i said starting to get a little bit dark we're driving along kirsten was taking some pictures of the uh sunset and we hadn't seen any moose yet we're driving along this road and i can't stress enough it was a little bit dark and i pulled over to the side of the road and Kirsten's like what 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 are we stopping for i'm like there's a moose there's a moose and we both got like super excited we pulled out the digital camera zoomed in we played with all the settings on it to make sure we got good light on it there's still a little bit of light around and we would have sat there for 10 minutes taking photos of this moose and i'm like that moose hasn't moved yet and it's like, it's looking right at us. Like, what's going on? And we zoomed in as far as we could. And I looked at Kirsten and I went, I don't think it's real. She went, no, look at it. It's definitely real. It looks exactly like one. I'm like, we've been here for like 10 minutes and it hasn't moved. And of course, on, upon closer inspection, someone had just put it in their front yard to fuck with tourists. <laughs> it was, um, so that was something that we had a good little laugh about. And we were struggling to find a campsite. So we were looking on wiki camps and there was a couple around. Uh, one of them was a KOA, which is Campgrounds of America. I hate to tell you KOA, but campground isn't spelled with a K, but good try. And just to, I'm going to give you a language warning before this one. Just be aware that I'm about to swear. KOA, you can suck my dick. Seriously, we pulled up there and had a look at the campsites for no facilities. You have to pay extra to use the showers, you get a drop toilet, and they want nearly $40 to pitch a tent. Fuck you. Seriously. We went down the road another 10, 15 minutes, and we got a state park campground. It cost us $10 for the night. There were toilets there. We actually ran into some really cool people, but seriously, unless you need power and you're in an RV, KOA gets my stamp of fuck the hell off. Like, seriously... $35 just to pitch a tent is absolutely ludicrous. If you can avoid it, don't go there. That's all I have to say about KOA. But yeah, we made camp uh, just south of Jackson at a little place called Hoback, which was really cool. Uh, as we made our way in, there was a dude sitting there in a um, in a, like a little caravan and he had his son there who was about oh, probably early 20s and, and his wife or girlfriend. And... Um, as we pulled in, they're like, oh, come over, we're starting a campfire. And 
we didn't think we'd have much stamina seeing how we'd been going to bed at 6.30 at night, well, not, maybe not 6.30, 8.30 at night when the sun goes down. But uh, I cracked open the bottle of Badlands Distillery Cinnamon Whiskey. I was like, oh, do you drink whiskey? And he's like, oh, I'll give it a go. So uh, we had a couple of sips out of that and before we knew it, the whole bottle was gone. I just wanted to go back and buy another big bottle because it was bloody delicious. And uh, yeah, we went through that and we were both a little bit tipsy and we sat around telling stories until about 11.30 at night and that was about the latest night Kirsten and I have had since we've been on the road and uh, stumbled back to our tent. Kirsten had made herself up a nice stiff vodka and orange juice, which I'm not looking forward to when we come home because over here the pores are very strong and um, Kirsten's developed a bit of a tolerance and is filling up her little Walmart cup full of a little bit too much vodka for what I'm comfortable with at the moment. She's developed a, a hell of a tolerance. But we both stumbled back to the tent and woke up. <laughs> when we woke up in the morning, we heard an, a, a motorbike come in that night and we were sort of, oh yeah, he's late to set up camp. We heard him come in at about 10 o'clock at night. We woke up and it was an old dude, older dude and it was still bloody cold. Like It was still getting down to about zero degrees overnight. And this dude had just rolled out a tarp and a, and a sleeping bag and that's what he slept in and he woke up in the morning and he looked a little bit worse for wear. He would have been in his probably late 50s, early 60s and he was stretching and not looking real comfortable. He's like, yeah, I should have rigged my tent. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was wet and I was cold and I was like, oh, buddy. And uh, yeah, so he didn't look overly comfortable. But uh, yeah, after our little Hoback adventure and stopping at a KOA and thinking that they're the biggest rip-off pricks in the world, we drove down uh, to a little spot called Rock Springs, and then from there we headed into Colorado. So that was our tour of Wyoming. We sort of didn't do much in the southeast, or, yeah, southeast corner of Wyoming because there wasn't that much to do, apparently. Uh, and then, yeah, headed into Colorado, which will be the next episode of the podcast. So I hope you enjoyed hearing all about uh, Wyoming. If you're Asian, I still love you. Just don't go on tour buses with 70 other Asians. Like, All right, thank you very much for listening to that one. Uh, as I said in the intro, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at TST Travel Podcast. Check out Kirsten's blog as well at The Roaming Street on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a uh, review on wherever you happen to listen to us. If you find us on Facebook, leave us a review there. Uh, on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, anywhere you uh, anywhere you can, that would be awesome. It just helps other people find the podcast. If you have any questions um, to ask about the places we've been, just drop them in one of the comments. I'll get back to you as soon as we have some uh, Wi-Fi. And, uh, yeah, tell us anything that you'd like to hear about in future episodes. The next episodes coming up are all about Colorado, uh, Utah, hanging out with some friends in phoenix and then down through baja california so don't be shy let us know that you're listening uh and can't wait to bring you the next episode all about colorado